today on the Tearsheet Podcast. So commercial payments, we're talking about something you know, two and a half times as large as consumer payments. So it's, it's massive, uh, but it's also complex. And, and I think that's probably what has caused a number of people to either shy away from it or you know, try things and maybe not succeed. Uh, and we've really decided that the way to succeed is you have to embrace the complexity of B2B. Uh, you have to lean into it and then you need to solve for it in a way that's compatible with the interests of buyers and suppliers. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. Commercial payments are a huge opportunity. They're antiquated. Checks are still very popular in the U.S. They're complicated and they're huge worth hundreds of trillions of dollars. MasterCard's James Anderson, EVP of Global Commercial Products, joins us on the podcast to talk about his team's major launch of Track Business Payment Service. MasterCard's Track BPS addresses the different ways buyers and suppliers want to transact with a B2B digital payment solution in the U.S. It uses card payment rails combined with distribution partners across the B2B ecosystem. James walks us through the challenges of B2B payments and how his team began building Track BPS 20 months ago. He describes the architecture and how it relies on partners that have direct inroads into buyers and sellers. It's a big launch for James and MasterCard, designed to go global from the start. James Anderson is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. I wanted to tell you about Tearsheet's newest online conference, Day-to-Day -Day 2020. Entire financial ecosystems are emerging around financial institutions and large fintech companies with data at its core. We're spending three days hearing from top executives at firms like Fiserv, MX, Wells Fargo, InvestNet Yodley, Plaid, and more about how they are best leveraging customer data to help deliver better products and services. Day-to-Day -day 2020 is all about data sharing, data aggregation, and personalization. It's about the future of finance. For more information, click on the Day-to-Day -day conference button at the top of our website, tearsheet.co. Hi, I'm James Anderson. I'm Executive Vice President of Commercial Products at MasterCard. And... Can you tell us a little bit about your career and maybe how you got here? Sure, absolutely. So I've been with MasterCard 13 years. I spent the first 11 or so years working in what became digital payments. So I was able to uh, play a role in helping MasterCards land up on, in programs like uh, Apple Pay and uh, the other digital wallets. And then two years ago, uh, I was asked to lead the commercial products group and commercial products for us is all the non-consumer use cases for our network and increasingly our networks. Uh, and so it means small business card, it means travel entertainment card, and what we're going to be talking about mainly today, which is uh, B2B payments. So businesses paying other businesses for goods and services. So before we talk about um, actually how they're doing it or, or, or MasterCard's new entry here. Can you tell us a little bit, I guess, what you're up against, um, what any company would be up against introducing commercial payments? Like what are, what are small businesses using? Yeah, so today businesses use a variety of ways to make and receive payments. Uh, so there's obviously uh, the analog methods of cash and check. And uh, check, in, at least in the US, is, is surprisingly uh, resistant and persistent. And so we definitely, uh, we see opportunities to displace check in B2B payments. Uh, there is also a number of companies who essentially push transactions through uh, account to account rails or, you know, some people call it push ACH or they leverage the uh, ACH rails to push money from uh, their bank account to their, to their uh, supplier's bank account. 
Uh, and then we are seeing good solid growth of card, uh, both traditional uses of cards like purchasing card and increasingly virtual cards. So, uh, but I would say if you go around the world, uh, and this is a global proposition that we've announced last week, I, I would say the, the, fundament, the, the, the predominant use uh, in terms of payment rails is uh, what we call ACH push. So I have my, I have my uh, supplier's bank account information and I instruct my bank to pay that supplier for a certain amount of money. That's the predominant method worldwide. Got it. So I think that was a good time to introduce the new MasterCard Track uh, business payment service. Can you, can you tell us what that is? Yeah, so what we've done is we've taken a number of the lessons that we've learned over the last 50 plus years running the consumer card network. Uh, and then we've really looked at what the needs are of, of uh, commercial entities when they need to make uh, and receive payments. And we've taken a number of lessons from the card world. And in particular, we've taken the lesson about how do you create scale uh, in a payment system? So one of the biggest opportunities around commercial payments is it's massive. It's $125 trillion annually. And just because that's such a huge number, let me just give you a comparison. Uh, you know, we, we historically as MasterCard paid it, played only in the consumer business, consumer payments business. And we used to think of that as a, we, we think of that as a $50 trillion opportunity. So commercial payments, we're talking about something you know, two and a half times as large as consumer payments. So it's, it's massive, uh, but it's also complex. And, and I think that's probably what has caused a number of people to either shy away from it or, you know, try things and maybe not succeed. Uh, and we've really decided that the way to succeed is you have to embrace the complexity of B2B. Uh, you have to lean into it and then you need to solve for it in a way that's compatible with the interests of buyers and suppliers. And so the way we've created it, as you might imagine, as a payment network, we look at things and we've decided that we feel very strongly that we can solve a number of the persistent pain points in B2B payments by using a two-sided market approach. So uh, we have buyers and suppliers and we've created a new franchise for commercial payments uh, built around a group of companies that we call buyer payment agent and supplier payment agent. And those entities respectively uh, represent the interests of the buyer vis-a-vis -vis the service and the supplier vis-a-vis -vis the service. Uh, and we sit in the middle with the track business payment service. And what we do is we enable all of those companies through their agents to be able to exchange data and discover the best ways to pay each other um, in a way that is uh, with a minimal level of standardization that we provide, uh, but still reflecting or respecting the complexity that is B2B payments. And so in particular, one of the dimensions of complexity is that every company, either as a buyer or a supplier, has a, some kind of system that needs to be tracked to and needs to be tied out to. So if you think of, um, if you're a company that generates invoices, you send an invoice uh, to your buyer and then the buyer sends you money, uh, you actually have to make sure that that money is booked against the invoice so you can actually close the invoice out and your books can actually, you know, can, can tie out and be properly balanced. Um, so the receipt of money is very important, obviously, that needs to go into the bank account, but the receipt of data is also very important uh, to the supplier 
because they need to actually be able to recognize the revenue and in order to do that, they need to be able to close that invoice out. So what we've created through Track BPS, one of the fundamental value propositions is the ability for every supplier who is part of the program and part of the service to receive usable reconciliation data on every single transaction that comes through the service. So they never have to worry about what did I get paid for because that reconciliation data comes with the payment data on every single transaction. So that's one of the fundamental value propositions of the service. Another one is the ability for suppliers to actually control how they get paid uh, for different kinds of invoices uh, from different uh, customers that they deal with. And this is another dimension of the complexity of B2B payments because the margin structure of B2B activity can be very different. Uh, the willingness to use different payment rails uh, varies from individual, with individual counterparties or individual segments of, of their business. Uh, and so we've created a layer where the suppliers can actually publish their payment rules into the service and buyers can discover those payment rules at the level of an individual invoice. Hmm. And then they can optimize which rail, r payment rails they use based on their strategies. So I think um, it's a pretty, you know, B2B is huge opportunity, as I mentioned at the top, much more complex, I'd say, than consumer. But we think that with the combination of this agent structure and the kind of commonality and standards that we'll build at the center, we think we've really hit on how do we simultaneously create value for the suppliers, value for the buyers, uh, and have a way to scale this uh, both domestically uh, and globally. So it's pretty ambitious objective, uh, but we've been working on this for about 20 months and, and we think we've landed on something pretty compelling. Definitely ambitious. So, so this 20 month period that it's, it's been gestating, uh, can we talk about, I guess, you know, what that looked like, which teams were focused on it, you know, how you did the market research there, like what, what went on behind the scenes? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we, we started thinking about this. Uh, I started thinking about it as soon as I took over the commercial area at MasterCard. Uh, but we, it, the, the vision really crystallized kind of in the fall of 2018. And uh, I went and pitched it to my boss, which is what you do in corporations. And he was uh, interested and enthused by it. And so we, uh, we actually took a little bit of a different approach to product development than we've taken before. Because one of the things we recognized was that uh, we didn't have a natural right to play in commercial payments. We needed to earn it. And therefore, we really needed to understand what the pain points were and also what the capabilities that our distribution partners would be looking for. We really needed to understand what those capabilities were in a very kind of what I call a very crunchy way, in a very like real tangible way. And so we, we uh, decided that the way to do this would be to run a series of pilots, very quick iterative pilots. Uh, and so what we did was we took a product development team out of a commercial team. We actually took a, a set of technologists out of our labs group and we stuck them in a WeWork facility in Midtown Manhattan. And I gave them 90 days to uh, launch the first pilot. And the rules were that the pilot had to be real, had to move real money it had to be a real transaction, it had to abide, in this case, we were gonna use the card rails, it had to abide by the rules of card rails. 
but what we told them, what I told them was that they didn't make, need to make it as scalable and as reliable as a MasterCard network because all it was going to do was support the initial pilot. Uh, so we, we recruited uh, a buyer's agent and a supplier's agent, and we went off and uh, built a, a little system uh, and started running real transactions. So we came up with this expression, we called it power up, which was how we were going to go you know, very quickly from an idea to a working system through a series of pilots. And we ran them pretty much every 90 days through last year. Uh, Sometime in the middle of the year, we decided that at least the card part of this proposition uh, was well enough understood. And so we brought our, you know, our technology teams, uh, the, the kind of full-time technology teams in, and then we basically took the pilot code and then made it fit for commercial production and uh, you know, robust enough to be called MasterCard. And that's what we announced is commercially available uh, last week. So we took this very iterative approach over uh, the year, over 2019. Uh, and then through uh, the first part of 2020, uh, we started recruiting more and more agents. And then we announced uh, this week that we've uh, launched with 13 agents, which is pretty exciting to, to launch with that much distribution. Um, and in parallel along the way, we, uh, we also did a pilot in Latin America. And one of our big focuses for this year is international rollout. Uh, or at least roll out of international pilots around the world. So we're planning that in Europe, uh, Middle East, Africa, and Asia Pacific, because we want this, we're convinced that this is a global proposition and we want to be, uh, we want to leverage, you know, MasterCard's global footprint and our reach uh, to bring this value proposition and set of benefits to businesses all around the world. So it's been a very, um, it's been a, you know, it was a pretty ambitious goal uh in a space where we had some knowledge but we didn't feel like we had a natural right to participate or right to to play we needed to earn that and so we we, we had some great partnerships with some of our agents uh who were really able to uh, help us understand you know what the customer needs were what their needs were and how we could add value to to their day-to-day -day operations that's a great story and i like i like how um it seemed like a, a 20-month sprint almost um Yes. Can yes, you can you tell us a little bit about how you're I'm getting out of the? Breath. I'm out of breath now, Zach. <laughs> Hopefully, there was a lot of energy drinks involved. I'm going to take yeah. a break now. <laughs> no, you deserve a vacation, Jeff. No, thanks, um, thanks. I'll let my boss know. <laughs> what about in a race? What about um, getting the word out? Like, what are you doing now to market this? Um, I guess to new partners and to suppliers and buyers around the world. Yeah, so all our distribution to suppliers and buyers will be through our agents. So that's really, uh, you know, that's up to our agents to go sell the value proposition in. Uh, we'll obviously, we want to make them, uh, you know, successful. So that's part of the reason why we're doing uh, some communications activity and some online marketing activity, which is going to kick off in about 10 days time, a little bit less than 10 days time, I think. Um, so we want to make sure that people know there's something new coming uh, and that it's coming from MasterCard, uh, but it will actually get sold in by the individual agents who are out in the field. Uh, so we're, you know, we're going through a process of training them up and making sure they understand how to sell it. You know, the nice thing about, you know, the way MasterCard has always gone to market is we've always had this very, if you think about the card proposition, we have a set of things that are common, but then, our issuers, in the case of cards, uh, they go to market with their own brand, they go to market with their own integrated proposition, 
you know, think of cards, some people give away miles, some people give away points, some people focus on interest rates. And, and so that level of flexibility and the opportunity for differentiation, I think is one of the reasons why the card business still grows at double digit percentages 50 plus years after it was launched. Now, we've taken some of the lessons from that and applied it here, which means that our agents have a lot of flexibility about how they go to market, how they embed the BPS proposition into their proposition. Some will focus on some aspects of what makes them special. It could be they have a certain understanding of a vertical market. They have a certain understanding of a geography. It could be they have a certain understanding of how an ERP system generates data, and that's helpful. Uh, and so that idea that there's a level of commonality which we provide, but also that we facilitate a, high, a great degree of differentiation by the agents and, and therefore sort of healthy competition between the agents that's really one of the kind of subtleties of running a two-sided market like we do in the payments business. And so we've really tried to make sure that we do that, that we design the product and the whole franchise in such a way that our agents can compete with each other, but have different bases of competition because we think that creates a very healthy market. So we're actually pretty excited to see what our agents come up with as they go to market. How do they position it? Uh, how do they uh, you know, create value for their customers? and then relying on us, our service in the background uh, to actually deliver part of a value proposition. So that's something that you know, they're still working through, they're figuring out, uh, but, with, but they're excited to have the ability to reach a lot more of the entities on the other side of the, of the service than they're able to on their own. Because you know, if you think about buyers and suppliers, uh, you know, each buyer and supplier typically has a thousand other people they do business with. And so uh, it's very hard for one company, you know, like a, like a, a you know, a bank or a, or a FinTech to actually get connectivity to all of those people, all of those buyers or all of those suppliers. What we are proposing is that essentially those buyers and suppliers come to the service through their agent and then by design, uh, anybody who's connected on the other side of a service gets access to everybody who's connected. So it's one, it's the classic benefit of an open loop network mm -hmm. uh, brought to B2B payments. Uh, and we think that's pretty exciting. And, and that's the feedback we're getting from our uh, initial set of agents as well. They see real opportunities, scale their business quicker, uh, build a more a larger, more profitable and more impactful business for themselves, which is obviously uh, that's, that's really you know, job number one for us is making sure that those end corporate benefits and also that our agents have are able to build a, a profitable and successful business for themselves. I like the model a lot. And, and James, you mentioned that when you designed this, um, it was intended to go global um, from the beginning. Um, can you talk, I guess, about obviously, you know, global markets are different in terms of payment preferences and there's different yeah. nuances there. Um, I guess talk about the how you deal with that from a product um, point of view and, and a little bit, I guess, you know, what the plan is in terms of expansion. Yeah. And, and so uh, it's a great point. Zach. So, so, so we essentially there's some things that are sacrosanct and there's a lot of stuff that's not sacrosanct and that's flexible. So the thing that's sacrosanct is it's going to be a two-sided market with a buyer's agent and the supplier's agent. What I've told all of our regional teams and we have very capable people who work for us and, live day in and day out in Middle East Africa and Europe and you know, LAC, Latin America, is, is to take that construct of a two-sided market 
and make it work for themselves in their market. You know, they have to figure out what are the pain points. They have to figure out what are the problems that need to be solved. And, and we are, you know, we hear the same, we hear problems in B2B all around the world, but exactly to your point, it's not necessarily all the same problems. I, I think what we do see though, is that the availability of the data, the reconciliation data is pretty much a consistent problem. So that's the theme that keeps coming up. Uh, but sometimes people have already advanced to electronic payment methods. So telling people a story about check replacement in the Nordics isn't gonna get you very far because they don't write checks. They wouldn't even know what a check was. So you have to make the story work, you have to make the narrative, you have to make the product work, uh, but uh, in the local market. Uh, so you, you know, we, have, we have to find, make sure we're identifying the pain points and then solving it. And, and look, it's, it's possible that there are places where it's been solved and uh, we don't, we're, not, we're not gonna add any value, in which case we won't launch the product there. So far we think there's opportunities pretty much everywhere, but uh, we're only gonna show up and uh, you know, try and get people to use it if we think we can add value and be useful. If not, we'll go somewhere else and we think there's plenty of opportunity. But it's, you know, we're a global company, so we'd like to be everywhere. But you know, we're also, you know, we only want to be there if we can be helpful. That makes a lot of sense. James, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. My pleasure. Thanks for your time, Zach.